So I know you passed the house coming in today out in the Oval. How is it looking out there? Looking good? Okay, not so great today? We'll tell them to get busy, get a little bit more going, maybe on the way out. Uh, but what the house is doing for us is providing a metaphor that coming in and going out, we're reminded that God has a plan for our lives. And that's the simple bedrock of these few days, that God hasn't given up on the purpose and plan that he has for you. And you may have, you know, we all do. We bail out at different times and, you know, jump out of the plane and sort of decide that we're not going to be able to realize all that God has for us, but God's steady and he hangs in there with the dreams that he has for us. And somehow he's able to orchestrate all things good and bad to keep us in the process of becoming what he's dreamed that we would be. And I love this message today. And uh, to you high school guys, I know it may be a challenge. In fact, you may want to just leave back there and come back up here because I'm looking at you back there thinking, okay, you haven't slept in uh, a couple of days and you had a, a bus ride over a mountain. But this message is so for you, and I didn't plan it that way. I wasn't thinking winter weekend when all this came together, but this is a perfect ending for a weekend like we've just had together. And for everybody else in the building, come on, God has got an incredible picture in his mind when he thinks about you. And so here's what's been happening, even in the last few weeks. We've been sort of awakened to the idea that God wants to make us into great men and great women. And when I say that, even something in me, you know, gives a little pause because we're like, let's don't overstate anything, Louis. Let's just kind of like, you know, being living would be good, you know? Making it to the end would be good. Making it uh, to, the, to the New York meeting would be good. But God is better than good. And God really does want us to become the kind of people that could be shade for generations to come. And he's thinking about that when he looks at you today. He's not thinking about where you're going to eat tonight. He's not thinking about where you're going to go on vacation over spring break. He's thinking about the long arc of you and the long arc of me. And people are awakening to that. I heard the story this week of someone who's very new to Passion City Church. And by the way, this just fires me up. That they came through the doors, found Jesus recently at Passion City, signed up for launch, got in launch, and started growing in their understanding of what this whole thing's about. And their friend said, hey, how's launch? And they said, launch is blowing my mind. And they said, well, what do you think about the Built series? And they said, well, I haven't been to church because I've been going to launch at 5 o'clock, so I haven't been in this series. And the friend said, well, you've got to go online and listen to these talks because this is exactly where you are in that stage of beginning to see what God wants to do in your life. So the next time this person saw their friend, they said, how's it going? They said, oh man, I, I was in the Build series and this is phenomenal. I've already had to leave the relationship that I'm in because I realize we're not building the same thing. Unfortunately, they weren't married. <laughs> and you say, well, that sounds like the, the normal Christian story. You know, you come to church, you meet Jesus and you have to leave a bunch of stuff. Well, no, Sometimes the best thing is to be awakened to this picture that God has for you, and then just to start looking through that lens to understand how then does God's truth really work in my heart to move me in that direction. And to see that happening for somebody, actual, actually transforming their pattern of life in a few short weeks is so encouraging, and I love it. So we're awakening to God's plan. And a lot of us are leaning into it. And you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you would say, I'm kind of leaning into some new framing. I'm thinking about reframing things in a different way. And so here's the message tonight. When we take that step of saying, I know this is God's purpose, and I want to lean in with God's purpose, we got to get ready in that moment for opposition because we are going to get it fast. We're going to get it from an adversary, an enemy who does not want us to fulfill our destiny. But we're going to also get it from people with flesh and blood who are come around us, and they're not only going to not cheer us on in our reframing efforts, they're going to try to tear us down as we try to reshape the direction of our lives. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They're going to thank you so much, right? Okay, yeah, I said don't raise your hand, but that's awesome and powerful. Um, I'm just kidding. They're going to come with these five things. Here's, maybe if you've heard one, you can raise your hand. It just gives a little nod if you've heard one. So you're going to try to reframe. You're thinking about the thoughts and the relationships, the patterns and the habits, the time and, and the resources and all those two-by-fours going into life, and you're trying to get into God's truth and let him reshape things in you. Here's what you're going to hear. Number one, somebody's going to come quickly into your world and say, don't forget where you came from. Anybody heard that one? Oh, so you're going to church now. Oh, I see. Oh, so now you're going to be a Jesus person. Okay, that's great. Well, hey, don't forget where you came from, all right? 
What is that saying to us? It's saying, hey, we are not reframing. We are not rethinking. We are not reimagining life. And so just remember where you came from. Trying to kind of maybe hold us back into the past while God's trying to, you know, blow us by the power of his spirit into the future. You have a second person, they're going to show up, and they're going to say something like this. You'll probably know it about three words in. Say it with me. Oh, so you think you're better than us now. And this is always said in a group setting, rarely said one-on-one. It's always said when there are witnesses around, oh, here comes so-and-so. He thinks he's better than us now because he's not going to go hang with us tonight. Oh, I see. Can't go to the lake this weekend because you got to go read your Bible, I'm sure, because he thinks he's better than us now. As soon as you start thinking about reframing your life, these guys are going to show up in a hurry. Hey, man, don't forget where you came from, okay? Just remember where you came from. Or, oh, so you think you're better than us. Now, a third one's going to come on the scene, and this might actually be us or people around us, and they're just going to say it flat out, hey, you'll never change. Anybody told you that since you started your reframing process? Oh, you're not going to change. You tried that other thing, remember that? Then you did that other thing, remember that? Then I remember two years ago when there was that deal. Don't, you, uh, you're not going to change. And some of us don't even need naysayers to say that to us. We're saying that to ourselves. I don't know if I have it in me to make this shift and reframe in this way. The fourth thing we're going to hear is, ah, you messed up, and I knew you would. Isn't that crazy? Can I just say something, by the way? If you or I want to get on a new path of reframing the direction of our lives, can I just say this? Nobody in here is going to get it right. Nobody's going to get it perfect. Is that a lack of faith for me to say that as your pastor? No, that's just reality. Nobody's going to get it perfect. So if you start thinking, I want to rethink, I want to restructure, I want to reorganize, I want to reshift things, you're, you're not going to get it perfect. And there's some people who have the spiritual gift, God bless them, of being exactly in the right place in the marathon where you're going to stumble and fall face down on the pavement. Somehow, they just know where to be when you're going to mess up. And you come around a corner, you say what you didn't want to say, you do what you didn't want to do, you drink what you didn't want to drink, you, all of a sudden you react the way you didn't want to react, and there they are going. Mm-hmm. Reframing, are we? And they just love that moment of being exactly in the right place when we stumble and fall in our efforts to be what God wants us to be so they can applaud our failure and applaud our stumble, and they're going to be there. you got to get ready for them. They're going to be right at the moment, and they're going to go, ah, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. You're not going to change remember where you came from. You're not better than us, see? And then there's a fifth person out there. They're a little more savvy. They're not going to hit his head on. They're going to say, hey, go ahead and build your new life. That's great, but it's okay to take a day off and just come hang with us. So you just do your thing. That's great. I'm glad that's working for you. That looks amazing. But hey, you, you can still go on the trip, can't you? And in these moments, People are going to try to come into our rebuilding moment. They're going to try to come right on the heels. I mean, we're talking hours away for you guys in high school. This is all counting down might have already happened. And you're going to come back and say, I I really did see God. I mean, yes, it's a mountaintop experience. It really is. It's Sharp Top Cove. It's up on a mountain. But it was more than that. I really did get still, and I got quiet, and I listened, and I heard from God, and I was around people who were speaking life, and my eyes were open, and I really do see a new direction for me. There's people just waiting in the wings to come in and to shout us down from the desire God is awakening in our hearts to live a different kind of life. You better get ready for that. It's going to happen. It even happened to us at Passion City Church. Can I tell you this? And I'm going to get in the flesh momentarily, but I'll get back in the spirit before we finish the message. So we started this, this series built, and we were going to build a house in the oval. And I overstated, uh, kind of making light of it, that somebody was going to get to live in the house, that we were going to you know, raffle off the deed of the house, and you could live there and live in the oval at 515 and all that. That was a joke, okay? It's not a real house, all right? It's a prop. It doesn't have flushing toilets. It doesn't have a hot water heater. It doesn't have a security system in it. It doesn't have a Keurig. It is a prop. It is something that we all see coming in and going out. But after the very first week of our series, somebody turned us in to the Atlanta City Building Authorities. And here's what's crazy about it. 
It happened before the message went up online on Wednesday. An insider in the house turned us in for building a fake house in the oval. I'm in the flesh now. And, and, I, and it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. If you're here right now, I'm just telling you, this was crazy. You say, how do you know it's an insider? Because someone showed up, knocked on the door, asked for the right person, and said, I heard you're building a house in your oval. I'm just looking. I'm looking right now. I'm good at spotting conviction. I'm looking. Yeah, we came to work, and this was on our door. This is real, people. We, this, is not, this is not a prop. Legal notice, City of Atlanta buildings, stop work. So somebody is going to try to put a sign on your door. Stop work. <laughs> and they're going to start with one of these, these introductions right here. And inside, not outside, you're going to say, can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Because God's plan and purpose is too big. My eyes have been open. I'm not what I came from. I am what God's making me to be. And I can't stop. And I won't stop. Nehemiah 6 is our text today. And if you know this story, you'll understand where we are. If you don't, it's such a powerful reminder for us. Nehemiah, by the way, is almost at the halfway point in Scripture. So if you're at Psalms and Proverbs, you've gone a little too far, just go backwards a little bit to the book of Nehemiah. Let me give you this short story here. The people of God have been taken into exile because of their rebellion against God, their refusal to be a part of God's plans and purposes for their life. And so a foreign ruler has taken them out of Jerusalem and into exile. And in exile, word comes to Nehemiah about the conditions of the city of Jerusalem. And, and you can see this in chapter 1. We're going to look at chapter 6, but let me just give you a little bit of the backstory. It says, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, verse 4, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. When, then when word came to Nehemiah that the city of God is broken down, the walls are broken down, the gates are broken down, and the rubble has been set on fire it so broke his heart that he shifted everything into a season of prayer and fasting. Eventually, fast forward in the story, he goes to the ruler, which he is under, which he has favor with, and says, can you release me for a season to go back to Jerusalem and to build up the walls of the city? He has favor with the ruler. He's released to go survey the situation when he surveys the situation, God comes on him with amazing calling and anointing. And Nehemiah gathers up an army of a remnant and begins with the power of God to rebuild the walls in the city of Jerusalem. And he knows he's called by God to build. As you would expect, there are naysayers in the process. You see them in chapter 2. It says, when Sanballat... The Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right 
to it. And so immediately there is a burden to get God's house in order. There is permission to start the building. And before we're even two chapters into the story of Nehemiah, there are three people who arrive on the scene and start to mock the rebuilding effort. So if you start the process of saying, I want to get my finances in order. I want to get my thinking in order. I'm going to start spending time in God's word. I'm going to start surrounding myself with the kind of people that are speaking life into me and not death, that are leading me on the paths of righteousness and not the paths of death. I want to start investing my time in more productive manner, in a more productive manner. When you do that, there are going to be mockers show up at the door of your house, well-meaning people or ill-meaning people, and they're going to open up with one of these five lines, and they're going to say, what do you think you're doing? And you're going to answer them and say, I- I'm just joining God because I believe for you and for me, God has a great plan. And I want to be a part of God's great plan for me. And inside, you just are saying to yourself, can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. God has got a purpose and a plan for me. So we come to chapter six, and it's pretty interesting how this all goes down. Nehemiah chapter 6, and we'll just walk through a little bit of this together. It says, when word again came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it. So by now, the wall has been rebuilt by the power of God, but the gates haven't all been fully established yet. When the wall had been rebuilt and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates... Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Now, I love that because the town they want to meet in to stop the work is called Ono. And so that's a good way to remember that town. When they come to you and say, can you come and meet with us and stop the work? You say, oh, no, I can't come to Ono. Can't stop, won't stop. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. Come on, can you read this with me? I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. This is our message. I'm doing something great. And you got to see that. Your life is a great project. The walls of the city of Jerusalem are not our job today. Rebuilding Jerusalem's literal walls is not our work today. Your work today is to build up the walls of the house of God, which is your life, a living stone being placed into what God is doing in the world, and it is a great work. You are a great work of God. And the rebuilding of your life and the rebuilding of your relationships and the rebuilding of your outlook and your thinking and your direction, this is a great work. It's not a New Year's resolution. It's not a I need to lose some weight idea. It is a great work of God. And people are going to come to you and they're going to say, hey, take a break and come down and let's talk about it. And you're going to say, I'm sorry, I can't take a break. And I can't come down from this great work. He goes on and he says, I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop? while I leave it and go down to you. All the messaging in here is down. And that's what the world's gonna try to do to you when you set your heart to let God build your house. It's gonna try to bring you down. Because people don't like seeing other people rise up. We are not a celebratory culture of rising up. We rather love to talk in prayer talk about people who are falling down. Oh, man, we need to pray for so-and-so. Did you know that their marriage is really in trouble and we should pray for them? Well, is there really going to be a lot of praying? Or is that just our way of celebrating somebody else's demise? And Nehemiah had such a clear vision of what God was calling him to do, his heart was, I can't stop, and I won't stop, and I am not coming down to you. I'm not going to be lowered down. 
to you. Verse four, four times they sent me the same message. So don't, don't think that you're gonna try to explain it to somebody and they're gonna, oh, okay, I got it. No, you're gonna hear it again. You're gonna hear it next week. You're gonna probably hear it next month. And then when you stumble, you're gonna hear it really loud. And guess what? You're gonna stumble. Can we just say that out loud, by the way? Everybody who sets out to build the house that God wants you to build, you are going to stumble at some point. Nobody is gonna have a perfect track record in building the house. Can we just acknowledge that already? That's not a message of failure. That's not a lack of faith. That's just the reality of scripture that says even the, the youths will stumble and fall. Even the young men will get weary, but God will renew us and lift us up. It says, hey, don't be weary in doing the right thing because in due season you will reap if you do not faint. It's a struggle. And there'll be a moment for all of us that in the building that we'll put the two by four in the wrong place or put the wrong two by four in for a minute or just not put a two by four in for a minute. And in all those moments, people are waiting to celebrate our failure. And four times they came to Nehemiah with this same message. Four times. Hey, come down. Let's talk about it. Let's meet. Oh, no. No, can't come down. Too important of a job. Too important of work to stop and come down to you. Second time. Third time. Fourth time. He says, I can't stop. I'm sorry. I can't stop. This is too important. I can't stop. So then look at verse 5. A fifth time, Sanballat sent this, his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true. Have you ever heard one of those before? I heard, and so-and-so said it's true. Hello, now it must be actual fact that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall for this reason. Moreover, according to those reports, and you know, so-and-so said it was true, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come and let us confer together. Now the first thing that we saw happen in here is that there was um, a diversion. That was number one thing that happened. Hey, come down off the wall, meet us in Ono, and let's talk for a while. Just a diversion from the building plan. And Nehemiah said, hey, I can't stop the building to meet with you guys. I can't come down. Invite me four times. I'm still not coming. So then these guys said, okay, new plan. New plan is um, we're going to create a deception, and we're going to build up this case that people think that you are going to go to war against the king and therefore you're building up the walls and therefore, you know, are you ready for what all is going to happen to you when this happens? You better come down and confer with us because you're going to need us. And it all was trumped up. And so this is his reply, verse 8. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. You didn't know that verse was in scripture, but you're going to memorize it, aren't you? As <laughs> soon as we get done with Proverbs, I'm going to Nehemiah, and I am memorizing that verse right there. People say, you know, the Bible's archaic. It, it's, it can never catch up to modern thinking and modern life. Hello? No. We're always trying to catch up with the word of God because it stands forever. And Nehemiah knew what we know. That as soon as you start to build, the first thing they're going to try to do is distract you. And the second thing they're going to do is come with some, some cooked up plan about how you need to come do so-and-so and meet with so-and-so and talk to so-and-so and so-and-so -so thinks so-and-so and you better stop going with so-and-so and you better stop thinking like that because we've all talked and so-and-so agrees and everybody agrees that this is really what you're trying to do here Hello, and you've got to say, you know what? I know what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to join God and his plan for my life, and I can't stop, and I won't stop. And you know what you're talking about? You just made that up. That is concocted in your head, and I know it. And you know how I know it? Because my life is rooted in this truth. That's why we are putting roots down in the word of God and raising our scriptural literacy so that when people come to us with loony concoctions and all their grand schemes about our motives as to why we're trying to build a house of great repute, we can say to them, hey, I appreciate your, your opinion, but I actually have been rooting my life in the truth of God's word, and I'm just going with what God says is true about me. I'm just going with what God says is true. 
The third thing they tried to do was dishearten him. Look what it says right after that. They were all, verse 9, trying to frighten us. Anybody trying to frighten you? Is the enemy trying to frighten you right now? Is he trying to get up under your thoughts like while you're laying in bed at night and, and, and put fear inside of you? Hey, don't try to redo this business structure the way it ought to have been done in the first place because to do that is going to unravel a whole bunch of stuff and you don't even want to go into that. And he's put fear in your heart about what it looks like to truly build your life. And they tried to do that to Nehemiah. They were all, verse 9, trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. So to division, he says, hey, I can't be bothered. It's too important. i got to stay focused and rooted in truth. To the deception of all the concocted stories, he said, hey, you're making that up. i got to stay focused and rooted in truth. And when they tried then to put fear in his life and intimidate him and dishearten him, he prayed, God, strengthen my hands. So this is the prayer when the fear comes, God, strengthen my hands because I know that I am joining you in your word and in your truth to become the man or the woman that you want me to be. I'm trying to change the direction, change the path, change the tone of my life. Strengthen my hands, God. Listen to the people around me. They're in my own house. They're in my own company. They're in my own classroom, and they're all shouting me down off my wall, but I can't stop, and I won't stop because what you are doing in my life is too great a work. To be disheartened by that spirit of fear which comes right out of hell itself. The last thing they tried to do was they tried to pull a false prophecy on him. They pulled out every trick in the book, and I love it, because it just arms us. It arms us to keep walking on the path God has laid out for us. It says in verse 10, one day I went to the house of Shemaiah, he was the son of Mehetabel, who was shut up in his home. Now, just a little backstory here. This person was uh, a spiritual leader who's in his house, all closed up there. He was a trusted advisor to Nehemiah, but somebody had gotten to him before Nehemiah got there, and look what unfolds. He said to me, let us meet in the house of God, inside the temple, and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. So this is the one that we're all going to fall for, okay? The, um, trying to divert me? No, not, not going to happen. Trying to deceive me with some kind of story that I know is not true, not going to happen. Trying to dishearten me, I'm going to say, God, strengthen my hands. But now he's got a guy saying, I'm your trusted advisor. I am the spiritual one. Hey, we need to go into the temple. We need to barricade ourselves in the temple. We need to close the doors around us because I've got a word. They're coming to kill you, and they're going to kill you tonight. And he said, what? I've been called by God to build this wall. I've been called by God to establish these gates. I've been called by God to let his glory come to this city again. God doesn't want me to go and hide in the church. God wants me to build the church. God doesn't want me to go and run in the night. God wants me to shine in the night. I am not going to go. And I'm sure there was a little tension in that moment. I'm sure there was a little spiritual dynamic going there. I got a word for you. Anybody got a word for you right now that's telling you in some way, shape, or form that you ought to back up from what God's trying to build in your life? Well, here's what Nehemiah, he understood. He had God help, and look what he understood. Look at the next phrase. Um, he says in verse 12, I realized that God had not sent him. Wow. So, when people roll into your life, into your building plan, into your framing plan and say, hey, I've got a word for you, you have to really check that with the word for you, and you've got to check that with the community of people who are in the word with you, and you've got to line that up against the calling of God on you to make sure that you don't hear somebody's word for you that got diluted along the way by the plans of other people. 
He said, I realized, I realized. Aren't you glad Nehemiah realized that? With God help, he realized in that moment that God had not sent him, listen, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. I love this chapter because some of you were going, the whole world's against me, man. I'm just trying to build a life. I'm just trying to make some good decisions. I'm just trying to walk on God's path. And I mean, I got people on every side shouting me down off my wall, and I must be the only one like that. And you're like, Nehemiah, thank you so much. Here's a guy I can relate to. Diversion. Come down, meet us in Ono. Let's just have a drink. Let's talk about it. Can't stop, won't stop. Oh, I see what you're trying to do now. Oh, you're trying to think you're going to like build a big city and become the king and be the ruler of everything? And uh, yeah, okay, that's not going to work for you. No, that's not what I'm trying to do, but thanks for trying. I'm just trying to be the person God wants me to be. Oh, man, when people hear about what you're trying to do, going to be some friction in the land. You better get ready. I'm afraid. God, strengthen my hands. Hey, I've got a word from God for you. Stop. No, that's not a word from God for me. Because God said, build. And quickly, Nehemiah figured it out. Tobiah got to you. How much did they pay you? How much did they pay you to try to trap me with God prophecy? False prophecy into my life. You know, it's just me, but I believe that God gives people encouraging words for our lives. Don't you? But it might just be me when someone starts a sentence to me with, I have a word from God for you. In my mind, I say, Holy Spirit, help me right now. Because a lot of people send me notes almost weekly with a detailed word of God for my life. And over the history of my life, I'm just giving you some encouragement here. I put the two notes side by side, and this one says go left, and this one says go right. And I'm like, well, somebody didn't get a word from God. So you don't write them back, you know. You don't send it back and say, you know what, I'm not sure you really heard from God on that, but I'm pretty sure that's not the direction God wants me to go, or that's not the direction God wants me to go, because I can't go in two directions at the same time. So I love people speaking words of encouragement from God over my life. I love it, and I want to be the kind of person we're going to end on that, who speaks words of encouragement over other people's lives. I want to be able to hear from God and speak into people's lives. But when somebody starts a sentence and says, I've got a word from God for you, in my mind, you know what I'm thinking? Right in my mind, right in that moment, God help me right now, because I need to know whether this is from you or this is some other plan to get me to come down down off my wall and stop building what you've called me to build. I need you to help me. And how am I going to be helped the most? I'm going to be helped the most by being tethered to this and to a community of people who breathe in this, walk in this, live in this. I'm going to be tethered to that text stream I've got of back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and people that are in the flow and the people that are over me in my life. Because I want to know what is God calling me to do. And some of you are stopping the building of the wall because somebody came to you cloaked in spiritual language and told you you're not doing what God has called you to do. And this is why we need to stay in this word and to stay focused on what God said because the enemy's plan sometimes isn't to get you to just completely wreck your life. It's just to get you to delay what he wants to do today. And our, our heart's got to be can't stop, won't stop, <laughs> can't stop, won't buy. He says in verse 14, remember Tobiah and Sambalot, oh my God, because of what they have done, remember also the prophetess Nodiah and the rest of the prophets who have been trying to intimidate me.
And so he goes on in verse 15, says, and so he didn't stop. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Lul in 52 days. And when all of our enemies heard about this, all of the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. So a couple things, and then we're done. When the voices come, the number one thing that we've got to do is we've got to stay rooted in the words of God. And that's why this series is all about practically connecting us to truth. If you missed last week, we started Proverbs, a chapter a day. So you missed seven chapters. That's no big deal. We're going to chapter 31. You can jump in today. And in every chapter, we say, God, just let one verse sort of rise to the top. And I know you're doing other Bible study. I get that. I know some of you have read Proverbs. One of my friends says, I've been reading Proverbs for every day for 30 years. But you know what he didn't say? He didn't say, so therefore, I'm not going to really do the Proverbs 31 thing. Because I've already been doing that for 30 years. He said, so I'm in because I'm already doing that. And he's leaning in again. Because there's always something there to unpack for us. So I want to invite you into that. Today's chapter 7, tomorrow's chapter 8, let one verse rise to the top, find a partner that you can communicate that with, that you can share that with, pray with them, they can pray with you, hold each other accountable, and at the end of the whole deal, there are 31 verses God has raised to the surface over a month's time, and one of those is probably going to rise up and become the banner for 2015 for your framing and building process of who God wants you to be. So that's the number one way we fight against the voices in our life. The number two way we fight against the voices is we become an encourager of the building process in somebody else's life. And so we're going to shift the tide. And instead of becoming the naysayers to people, we're going to become the cheerleaders of God's building purposes in people. Because when people criticize us, and your mom told you this, and my mom told me this, But it's true. When people criticize your progress, what did she say to you? That says, say it with me, that says more about them than it says about you. When people are trying to shout you down off your wall, don't start getting all, you know, like crazy introspective. Just stay focused on what did God call me to do? Because what it's saying is not, hey, you're doing a good job of rebuilding the burned down rubble of the walls of the city of God. It really says, hey, I'm not doing a very good job of building up anything. That's really all that says. I don't feel great about where I am today, and the only way I can really deal with that right now is to make me feel better by telling you I don't feel great about where you're trying to get right now. And the way I think to respond against that is not to try to change them in that moment. For them, inside, can't stop, won't stop. But use that as fuel to become a different kind of person. And do you know we have the opportunity to leave every conversation with a word of encouragement? To leave every single conversation with a word of encouragement. So we, you know, we're wasting words, I think, sometimes. I said, all right, check you later. Have a good one. Hey, stay wet, stay dry, stay out of the cold. Hope the traffic's okay. See you tomorrow. And we should be looking for those little moments to say, hey, by the way, right before you go, I just want to tell you something. You're doing a great job at becoming a mom. You're doing phenomenal. Don't let anybody shout you down off your wall. Hey, by the way, in that meeting, the way you handled yourself, Props to you. That was God shining through you. Don't come down off your wall. Hey, the way that you navigated that moment right there, that was God making you the kind of person that he wants you to be. Don't come down off that wall. Hey, I know that you're four days sober. I just want to tell you, there's one more person. God is with you. Let's keep praying. God, strengthen my hands. Don't come down off your wall. Don't come down off your wall. I'm sure somebody's trying to get you off your wall today. No doubt somebody's going to try to divert you. Somebody's going to try to deceive you. Somebody's going to try to dishearten you. Somebody's going to come with false prophecy into your world, try to tell you what God needs you to be doing. Don't come down off your wall. You're doing a great job. Your marriage is doing good. Your business is doing good. In the classroom, you're doing the right thing. Don't come down off your wall. All the other kids in your school going a different direction on Friday night, don't come down off your wall. You're building a good thing. Don't come down 
of your life. And you have the power to be that voice in somebody else's life today. Every time. To say, may it just been a brick, one brick today, but way to go on the one brick today. Or it may have been, you stumbled and fell today. Hey, you know what? We all do. Come on. Let's all stay down. Let's get up. And when everybody backs up three steps, be the friend that steps up three steps and says, I am here. I don't mind being seen with you in the break room. I don't mean, mind being copied on, on the email. I don't mind, I think I'm gonna Instagram today, me and you. Because today is the day that everybody in the office is talking about your stumble. So today is the day that I'm gonna go public and say, this is my friend and I'm walking with her. And people are going to be like, did you not know? Did you know you didn't hear? Oh, yeah, I heard. I heard. And instead of being a naysayer, trying to get her down off the wall that God has put her on to build her life, I'm going to be an encourager. And I'm going to step up. And I'm going to say, can't stop. Won't stop. Come on, say it with me. I know you're down. No, not you, them. You know, kind of a little bit of a... You know, but way to go. Thank you. The last thing, and we're done. Someone say, rooted in truth, I'm going to become an encourager of other people's building. And, and can I just say one last thing about that? Say, so, so, Louis, I'm out there encouraging everybody else, but nobody's encouraging me. I bet you're still doing a good job of building your wall. Because when you're encouraging them, guess what? You're hearing you encourage them. So sometimes you encouraging them encourages you. Am I right about that? Sometimes you hang up from encouraging them and go, man, I needed that. Sometimes you're like, I, wow, I, that, whoa, where'd that come from? I'm a good encourager, not a very good builder, but a really good encourager to other people's building. And now I'm, I'm encouraging me by what I encourage them. The words that we put in our mouth are the two by fours that build up our lives. And they build up other people's lives and they build up our lives. The last thing is just keep your eyes on Jesus. The way that we don't get diverted, that we don't get deceived, that we don't get disheartened, and that we don't fall to all kinds of distractions, even if they have spiritual labels on them, is by keeping our gaze fixed on Jesus. Can I remind us, and I don't want you to turn to it, and you don't need to put the scriptures up, but I just want to remind us as we close today, the very end of Jesus' life. Think about what he came to build. He said about Jerusalem's walls and its temple, I'll tear that down. Boom. And in three days, I'll rebuild it all. You know what he was saying? That system, that sacrificial obligation, that sense of trying every year and multiple times a year to measure up to God, I'm going to just tear all that down but hang on because in three days I'm going to build it all back up I'm going to rebuild everything a whole new system in a whole new way to God so Nehemiah thank you for building a wall and establishing its gates thank you for honoring God and honoring his people and his city thank you for being broken about God's things being broken and having a passion to repair what God wants to stand Jesus' mission, astronomically greater. He's the one person on earth, the one person on earth who can build for us freedom and forgiveness and a way to God and a way to life. He's the only one who can build that house. And it led him to a cross at the end of his life. And on that cross... It says, as Mark records it, on that cross, it says it was the third hour when they crucified Jesus. 
The written notice of the charge against him read, this was above his head, the king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by, because this was on a roadway coming into Jerusalem for, to make a point. Don't get all up against the powers of Jerusalem and Rome. So all the people are now passing by. And they hurled insults at Jesus, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him, saying among themselves, he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. So at the very end of the process, when we're only a few hours away from the completion of the work, of the sacrifice of the Son of God to cover all the sins of the world, the naysayers showed up to the wall and said, hey, if you're really Jesus, then why don't you come down off the cross and prove it? Oh, you're going to rebuild the temple in three days. Well, you better get down off that cross if you're going to be doing some rebuilding. He saved others. But look, he can't even save himself. How pathetic is that at the end of it all? And Jesus can't stop can't stop won't stop I'm just going to stay up here until it's finished can't stop could stop but can't stop oh I could come down I could come down and get back up I could come down and break this cross into pencils and write out the Torah on a scroll and hand it to you and then put the pencils back up into a cross and get back up on it and die for the sins of the world. But I can't stop and I won't stop until the work is finished that God called me to do. I'm sure he's thinking about Nehemiah in his mind. This work is too great for me to come down So that's how simple it is when the notice gets plastered on your building project tomorrow. Who knows what we're going to get tomorrow? Person might be in here now, and now we got to fight. So I don't know. We might not have a house tomorrow. And when it comes tomorrow and says, stop work, man, we've got to be grounded and rooted. And we've got to be blessing and not cursing. And we've got to have our eyes fixed on Jesus and say, you know what? They try to get you to stop, but thank you that you didn't stop. I would have been just like him if I'd been standing there. I would have probably been hurling insults too and trying to get you to stop your work because we didn't understand the fullness of your house. Can I just close and say this to you today? That what the enemy is trying to stop in you today is not just about you. It's about the purpose that God has and the calling God has on your life for the generations to come. It's not just about your week. It's about your kids' future, your grandchildren's future. It's about a city or a nation. It's about the globe. It's about an economy. It's about something far bigger than you can think of today. God has such a great plan for you. And when the enemy comes, don't think it's all personal and it's all you and nobody loves me and nobody likes me and everybody's against me and the whole world's against me and I'm just trying to build a wall today, but everybody's shouting me down today. The enemy is trying to discourage you, but it's not about you. It's about the purposes and plans of God 
for the masses of people that your life is going to impact when God builds the house in you he wants to build. And Jesus did not hang on the cross and say, oh, poor me. Oh, poor me. Look, everybody's insulting me. Everybody's hurling all these curses at me. Look how embarrassed I am today. He said, I am up here for the nations. I am up here for people in every corner of the earth. I'm up here for the glory of God. This is so big. This is so grand. This is so vast. These little people who are mocking me today have no idea how great the work is that God has called me to do. I cannot stop, and I will not stop. I cannot stop, and I will not stop. And we're not dying for the sins of the world today. None of us are going to build that house. Praise God, it's finished. And forgiveness is here for every one of us today. But you've got to see that what you're doing is great. And it's not just about you. It's about the future. It's resting on your obedience to God today. And your perseverance in what God has called you to be and to do. It is not going to be easy. No, it will not be easy. There will be a sticker on your door. And it might even be your closest friend. But God is greater. And in time, I believe that if we're faithful almost all the time, at the end of the journey, those people come back around and they go, you know what? I had no idea that that's what you were doing. I got to give it to you. Seven years later, I got to give it to you. That's impressive. Five years later, I got to tell you, I, I didn't think you could do it. I didn't think y'all would stay together. I just thought there is no way they're going to stay together. And I mean, I, I, ha, I, mean I, I, I don't know what to say. That's exactly the way it went down with Nehemiah. And you know what he said? God. God did this. God did this. All the people lost their self-confidence. And they all came and they were afraid. And it's like, God did this. And I, I believe most of your mockers will come back around in time and they're going to have that opportunity for you to bless and not curse and say yeah you were a pain in my rear end but you know what you didn't divert me praise God I didn't come down you did not deceive me praise God I did not stop you did not dishearten me you tried you did a good job by the way props to you I did stay up one whole night worried about you I drank one night because of you. But I said, God, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. God did this, not me. Props to God. <laughs> he did this.